Now, the big positive semiconductor news is Warren Buffett making a bet on Taiwan Semi, which by every account is arguably the most interesting and important company between the U.S. and China. Potential for tension and conflict. Let's talk about that subject moving into the geopolitical realm a bit with Sadek Waba, the member of the president's National Infrastructure Advisory Council and on the Global Advisory Council of the Wilson Center. Uh, Sadek, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Oliver. I think the most interesting news this week was that uh, there was potential for an escalation of U.S.-China, and it seemed like we didn't really get it. Is that fair? I think so. Uh, the, the one should be, uh, I would say, cautiously optimistic. Uh, when you look at the body language between the two leaders, President uh, Biden and President Xi Jinping, I think it was positive. These things are very important. Uh, and at the same time, the statements made by both sides uh, I would say are very comforting and in the right uh, direction. So the president said very clearly, unequivocally, he does not believe that there is an immediate threat to Taiwan. I think that was an important element because everyone were rattled, uh, both private and non-private investors were concerned about what that would imply, uh, both for the region and globally. Uh, and at the same time, uh, President Xi Jinping said that they really want to establish a relationship uh, friendly with the U.S., it doesn't mean that both countries will not compete, and as the president said, compete vigorously, but competition is one thing uh, and clash is another. And mm. we're looking for what I would call co-opetition. Mm. Uh, co-opetition meaning competition and cooperation. I like that. Uh, so uh, we're not clashing, that's uh, the most important thing. Uh, not necessarily quite cooperating, but maybe somewhere in between is the best thing we can root for uh, to some extent right now. What do you think the next steps are? What should we be looking for here in, as we assess this relationship? I think you're looking for uh, what has been traditionally called confidence building measures. Uh, from my perspective, I'll be curious to see whether there is going to be any move towards reducing the tariffs that were imposed between the US and China uh, by uh, the previous Trump administration, which in fairness, uh, the Biden administration has continued. Uh, one would agree, uh, I certainly agree that removing these trade barriers helps economic growth. Uh, trade barriers have never proven to be successful. Uh, in the long run, they do not help. So if both economies are able to reduce those trade barriers, that's certainly a plus in the right decision. A cooperation on climate issues is another one uh, because it concerns all of us. Uh, climate and carbon emission does not have any borders, uh, and therefore cooperation between the two economies uh, is extremely important. Okay. Now, uh, the idea of uh, Taiwan as being the uh, potential inflammation point there, uh, is that uh, an overrated subject? Is it really the number one uh, potential conflict here? Or uh, what's the evidence that China really might do something like Russia has done in Ukraine, which seems to be the logic people are applying here? Look, uh, I, I, I don't think that there is any particular evidence uh, except just escalation of uh, words. Of course, uh, when leader Pelosi went there, uh, the Chinese reacted uh, very negatively, uh, which in my view is totally unwarranted uh, because a visit in and of itself uh, should not warrant that kind of reaction. Uh, but certainly the meeting between the two presidents has been able to de-escalate and we want to continue uh, that good working relationship. Uh, I personally don't see that there is, a relation, there is a, an advantage for either parties, in particular China, uh, is uh, invading or blockading Taiwan. Uh, we've seen what happens 
when an economy or a country like Russia tries to do that in Ukraine, number one, uh, they tend to underestimate the defense, and Ukraine has done an extraordinary job at doing that. And more importantly, there was worldwide condemnation and unity uh, against Russia on that front. And mm. that is what any country that invades another one illegally with no justification whatsoever uh, will face. And mm. so that is to no one's advantage. Mm. And uh, sh should we expect, uh, in the meantime, some hedging by U.S. corporations, uh, governments incentivizing companies to try and uh, domesticate some of the supply chain? Uh, Taiwan Simi is building a plant here, uh, which Apple is going to uh, uh, buy chips from. Or sh is that maybe going to be something we see more of? Yes, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And in a way, it was long overdue. Uh, the U.S. is in a strategic competition with economies like China and others, to be fair. And in that sense, the U.S. has to be able to take into account its national security. I think that is absolutely essential. Uh, that means that you cannot rely on one concentrated economy to produce, for example, key material like uh, microchips uh, in an economy that could potentially be attacked or blockaded or even invaded by another country. Uh, that does not make sense. The same thing with Ukraine, the same thing with Europe, relying entirely on gas coming out from Russia. Uh, you need to have diversification of, primary, of sourcing primary commodities or key elements in your overall production chain. And so building and onshoring some of these facilities in the U.S. or in what I would call key with key allies is extremely important. Mm. Uh, now, we should be careful not to onshore everything because this concept of import or substitution or onshoring uh, in general comes at a very heavy cost. Uh, the cost of doing that could be 10, 20, even 50% more than if you import it. And that price will be borne by the consumers. It's like an increase in taxes. And so we have to be careful as to what exactly are we doing uh, when it comes to onshoring. Uh, onshoring microchips is the right thing to do uh, because that is a critical element uh, but let's be careful not to get overexcited and start onshoring lots of things. Okay. Uh, Sadiqa, I'd be remiss not to ask you about uh, uh, your recent uh, experience in Dubai at the Climate Change Conference. Uh, what was the big takeaway from you there? Uh, COP27 uh, is still ongoing, and I'd say there are three uh, issues outstanding. The first is whether the global economy will continue to meet this 1.5 degrees uh, increase in temperature uh, by 2040. I think that is becoming very difficult under the current economic conditions uh, to be able to maintain that goal. It's not impossible, uh, but certainly with the uh, energy crisis that we're seeing, that will be a challenge and we have to recognize that. The second is an ongoing debate between North-South uh, about issues of loss and damage. Who's going to pay for emerging markets exposure to fundamental climate change? You could be an island in the Pacific, and that island may disappear 50 years from now, who is good to pay for that? Uh, because they are not responsible for uh, the massive emission. The challenge is that people want to get compensated for, and of course, as always, who's paying for it? Uh, the US and the European Union are willing to establish a fund, but who's going to contribute in that fund? Countries like Russia, China, Korea, Saudi Arabia, were excluded 30 years ago because they were deemed to be developing economies. 30 years later, they're not developing economies and they are the, some of the biggest producers. Uh, and of course, they refuse to pay, uh, but the EU and the US is saying you have to contribute to that fund. 
So mm-hmm. we have a debate here. But the third element, which makes me optimistic uh, about climate change, is that multinational corporations, private companies are really taking the lead when it comes to climate change. They are really internalizing that in the way they're behaving, uh, the way they're producing their goods and services, and that's the silver lining. In fact, I would say most of the change and the leadership, in my view, is coming from private investors, and that's, mm. that's how it should be in many respects. Definitely a conversation. We're going to keep going. Plenty more of this ahead. Sadiq, thank you very much, for, as always, for uh, taking us out of our uh, intraday trading mindset a little bit and thinking some big picture. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Sadiq Waba is a member of the President's National Infrastructure Advisory Council.